Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No. Rodri. Is there anything that Lionel Messi is better than you at? I respect your opinion. Maybe in your opinion, Messi is better than me. But in my mind, I'm better than him. I do it again. Guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of many great series, content, and exclusive interviews, including Roderick Giggs on football, Danny Batten fight show, Ace Podcast Nation presents my story, and many more. Uh, with films by Eat Sleep Media for our in in person interviews, uh, which is a media company based in Cardiff, they work closely with the Welsh FA, and they recently released a documentary on Welsh legend John Toshak. So please do check them out. We are now live on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, if you prefer your podcast in audio form or to download, then uh, you can check out all the content produced by Ace Podcast Nation, available on Apple, Spotify, all that sort of thing, via the Sports Social Podcast Network, which is the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. Uh, you can find all of our shows and more at sportsocial.co.uk, so check them out as well. If you would like to support the channel and the content that we produce, you can become a member of the Ace Nation Army at patreon.com slash acepodcastnation for the price of a pint you get weekly exclusive shows early access to episodes discount on merch discounts on tickets to future live events as well as exclusive live video streams of audio podcasts 
Uh, I'm delighted to be back after I took a little bit of a break. Uh, I've been busy behind the scenes filming at Eight State Media with numerous episodes in the bank, which are coming soon, including current Cardiff first team coach, legend Mark Hudson, as well as a second part to Darren Pierce's uh, story. But uh, as promised, we'd be back with a bang. And I've some, got something exciting and interesting for you guys. Sticking to my word, I'm delighted to welcome, for the third time to the channel, Cardiff City Chairman, Mr Mehmet Dalman. How are you, Mehmet? I'm good, thank you. Delighted to have you back. It's, uh, it's, it's been a while, but it almost has become like a, almost like a yearly thing now. Yes, it has. And uh, thank you for inviting me. No, I, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I've really enjoyed the last couple of shows we did. And I'm, I'm sure uh, tonight will be no different. Um, and as I said, funny enough, in one of the tweets, which I put up promoting the show, um, for every episode that we've done, um, I always ask you, would you prefer to have the questions beforehand? Is there anything you don't want to talk about, et cetera, et cetera? And you always say, no, just let people ask what they want to ask and we'll answer. And that's the way it goes. And uh, I, I appreciate that honesty. And I'm sure other people do as well, because you don't see a lot of championship chairmen uh, popping up on on podcasts and and you know not just doing you know like a five or ten minute interview on a radio or TV or things like that, but actually giving you know an hour or so of their time and letting fans ask questions live. Why do you why do you why do you like to do it? Why do you continue to come back? I suppose. Oh, I'm not sure if I have a clear answer to that. I mean, first of all, it's a good show, so I I enjoy the fact that it's not controlled and it's it's free-flowing and and i think that's good secondly it's followed by the fans and you know at times i get criticized that maybe maybe rightly that we do not communicate enough and this is a good way to do so and that's why i said you know people should ask questions that they want to ask um so and and you know i always feel welcome so therefore i come back Indeed, I like that. That's, uh, I appreciate those kind words as well. Um, so what we'll do is we have a couple of icebreaker questions just as we let some latecomers join the chat and things like this. Um, so I've got, I've got a, just a couple of easy questions. I, I think they're easy, but maybe they're not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, what's your favourite place in Cardiff as a city? As a city? Yeah. Cardiff Stadium. There we go. Interesting. I, like, I, know, I think that's a good choice. I think uh, I think it's the best place in Cardiff as well. So there we go. Uh, what's your favourite place in the world then, outside of Cardiff? Where's your sort of go-to place? Oh, good God. Um, a cigar bar. Okay. So, I don't, I'm going to show my ignorance now, but I don't know where that is. So uh, No, no. It's, it's any bar that sells cigars. Ah, I'll, right. Okay. I apologise. I thought I missed it. I'll be there. Oh, right. Okay. Cigar bar. So you're you're partial to a cigar then? Um, Occasional one. Occasional. So actually, my next question is: uh, What do you do to relax at the end of a hard day, or away from you know your work? What What do you like to do to relax? There's a lot of things I I like reading. I I I like the movies. Um, I I I like art. Um, I like other sports apart from football. Um, there's so many things. I've got children, so they're never, never, never a dull moment. Yeah. And then, well, in films, uh, what sort of, what's a, a good film which you've seen recently? 
that you would recommend? You know, you know what? I don't think I've seen a good film recently. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the whole world of cinema has changed. I think Netflix and uh, Prime have, have really changed that whole industry. Um, and, and there's some great stuff going on. Um, but the last single movie I saw, I, I struggled to name you one, actually, that I've seen recently. Probably for entertainment, I, I enjoy going back to seeing um, Top Gun 2. Okay. Uh, because it's, it's a no-brain uh, movie. And, yeah. and it's, quite, it's pure entertainment. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's easy to watch, isn't it, I think? And uh, you get the nostalgia factor as well. Um, which I think always helps with that type of film. Um, and then lastly, for this little bit, um, tell us something about you that we don't already know. Oh, good God. Um, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I feel like telling you things that you don't already know. Um, I speak very odd languages. Okay. How many languages do you speak? You know, uh, very funny. Um, there is a journalist, which you will know, Rob Phillips. Yes. And Wales were playing in Azerbaijan. And um, he he called me up about Cardiff. We were chatting. And, and he got into some sort of conversation where he couldn't understand the local language. So I said to Rob, I said, give him, give him to me on the phone. I'll speak to him. And uh, and I did, and we were able to resolve that conversation. So I think Rob was really taken back to the fact that I could yeah. speak. So I, I did some strange languages when I was at college. Oh, that's interesting. It's always handy to uh, to speak languages, though. Um, so I know people will be eager for me to start asking you some some serious questions, as it were. And I'm sure the the subjects will be wide uh, this evening. Um, but one thing I kind of wanted to to start really was. Um, we had the news recently that the number seven shirt is going to be uh, retired uh, in tribute to P Peter Whittenham. Uh, I think that's a great, uh, a great gesture, and I think it's something which the fans had been calling for. Um, tell us a bit more about that, and if there's you know further uh, tributes to Peter as well. Well, you know, there's, there's what, what can one say? I mean, I knew Peter. Uh, we overlapped, obviously. Uh, a great legend, will always be a legend in the club, a great person, easy to talk to, very articulate, um, and, and a tragic uh, situation. I think as a club, we need to do something to honour him. Um, and this, I thought, was a good suggestion. Um, Steve Morrison, uh, you know, responded to the fans' requests, and Vincent and Ken responded to that. And, and I think it was good to see it done. Um, and, I, and I hope there'll be more to follow. Indeed. Um, obviously, there's the, the, the memorial game as well. Which, is there a date set for that? Um, I don't think a concrete date has been set. There are dates that have been discussed. Um, but I think in the next few days, that'll be, that'll be put in place. Okay. Um, I think... I think one thing I, I, I could do with him right now. Mm. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he's greatly missed. Uh, still, it's um, yeah, it's very very uh, sad situation, and and I think the fans were eager for uh, a tribute to come. And I think you know, 
it's easy sometimes fans maybe get a bit frustrated because it wasn't coming quick enough in their eyes. But I think ultimately it needed to be at the right time. And the same with the, the Memorial game, it needs to be at the right time. And I think um, the World Cup obviously complicates things this year as well because it's such a, such a strange time of year. Um, in terms of the season going forward as well, like how does that World Cup placement affect the football club? Um, it doesn't really, um, if if I'm really honest about it. I mean, obviously our timetable shifts a little bit, um, but that's true of everybody else. So there is no disadvantage to one particular club. Ideally, would we have liked to have stuck to our old timetable? Absolutely. You know, we don't like the fact that things are getting moved around, but it is what it is. We understand it. It's part of the game and we'll just get on with it. It's, it's just no point moaning about it. Yeah, I think um, it's just you kind of got to deal with it, haven't you, I suppose. Um, so uh, we had a couple of questions sent in by our members. So uh, I'm going to start with those as they uh, they get priority. Um, Will says, uh, Steve Morrison has done a fantastic job so far with the squad overhaul. Uh, I think everyone knows we still would like a striker or two. Uh, where are we with the striker search? And are we looking at loan or permanent signings? I think, I think Steve Morris has already answered this question not terribly long ago. Um, it's, it's a little bit out of our hands at the moment. We, we identify our targets. We have had discussions. We have made our offers. And we are waiting for clubs and the players concerned to come back to us. Mm -hmm. In an ideal world, we like to buy a player and we like to loan a player in, in, in those two spots that we just discussed. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope, you know, we'll get them over the line soon. But as Steve said, it's it's really been out of our hands at the moment. Yeah, it's been um, a very busy summer, I'd imagine, for you. Obviously, if, uh, you know, for the players and things like that, they go off on their summer breaks and stuff like this. But I, I would imagine for yourself, for Steve Morrison, for the for the staff behind the scenes, it's been an incredible, incredibly busy period just simply because of the the amount of players that have come into the football club. Like, has it been difficult to navigate all those players coming in? Well, first of all, let, let me acknowledge that I think Steve Morrison, Mark Hudson, Kevin Bedell and that whole team, Paddy, they've done a fantastic job. I mean, they worked round the clock getting their homework done and research done. Secondly, Steve took a very different approach to recruitment you know he's he's actually has presented the view and the strategy and the style of football that he wants to play and he has taken his time and made his pitches to various football players and which which i think some of them who are with us now obviously felt it was a convincing business plan so yeah my first of all my thanks and congratulations to them because they really have worked hard um has it been hard work? Well, more for them than me. Um, I like to think that the board as a whole has been fully supportive of Steve's efforts. Um, you know, and I, I don't think there's been any hiccups. I mean, Steve is actually very easy to work with. He's, he's very clear. He knows what he wants. He's, he's very upfront. Um, he doesn't mix his words. Um, so it's, it's, it's been good. It's been a good process. Yeah, I think um, 
obviously there was a, a particular player and a lot of media hype uh, that he might come into the club. He went to the uh, um, uh, the MLS in America in Gareth Bale. Um, can you shine a bit of light now that he has, you know, he's signed for a different football club? Can you shine a bit of light in kind of what went on? Was it as close perhaps as the media portrayed in terms of him talking to us, coming to us, things like that? Look, I don't want to say too much because obviously what we discussed with him, you know, is is confidential. Mm -hmm. What I will say is, you know, his agents approach approached me. In fact, we had lunch with his agent, and they explained that, you know, Gareth would like to come to Cardiff, and and I explained we would love to have him at Cardiff. Um, and then we spent three weeks crushing out the deal that met with their expectations. Um, and obviously, you know, LAFC came in um, and, you know, he chose to go there. No hard feeling. He's, he, he, he was a gentleman to negotiate with. His agents were professional in the way they dealt with us. Um, he's, he, really, he really is a great lad. And, and I genuinely mean it when I said publicly, I wish him the very best and for Wales because, you know, we need him to do his magic balls in the World Cup. So... We really thought at one point we were, we were it was a dream coming true for us. Um, but he chose to go to a different country, a different lifestyle, different challenge, and we have to respect that, and and we do. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's um, when I take my Cardiff head off, um, I understand a lot of the reasons why he might have gone to America and and to play in the MLS. I I get it, and that, particularly with the World Cup and when their season finishes and things like that. But you know, as a as a Cardiff fan, as a Welsh fan, the I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't very excited at the prospect of him maybe coming. It was in the papers every single day in Car particularly in Wales. Um, it was just constant. You were sort of bombarded with Gareth Bales coming, Gareth Bales coming, Gareth Bales coming, and then all of a sudden it was Gareth Bales not coming, which you know was disappointing. But I think, like you say. Uh, everyone's got their reasons for making decisions about their own career. Absolutely. I mean, look, do I think you should have come to Cardiff? Of course I do. Now, if I take my Cardiff City head off like you, I would say he should definitely have come to the capital of Wales. I think he would have been a massive boost for Welsh football, especially with the World Cup coming. I think it would have got whole Wales buzzing um, from a football perspective. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to respect his decision. It's his life. It's his family. And he dealt professionally with us. You know, he personally called me to tell me his decision. He didn't want me to hear it from an agent. So I, ca I cannot complain in, in terms of what took place. Disappointed? Of course we are. Do we wish him well? Of course we do. Um, but, you know, we, we need to move on. Indeed. Uh, yeah, and it's you know it's it's uh, obviously he plays for another football club now, and and such is life. Uh, it's ironic, isn't it? He went to a football club, which Winston Tan was the major shareholder at one point. I was going to that was going to be my next question: was does Vincent Tan have any uh, involvement with LA anymore? I know he used to. I wasn't sure if he still does. I don't think so, um, and I and I qualify that because I really don't know his dealings in in the US. Okay. Because then my follow-up question was that: would, would, Could there potentially be a, uh, an opportunity for a loan deal when 
the MLS seasons have their you know their breaks and their finishes and things like that. But I suppose with the World Cup, there, you know, um, we respect his decision, and let's see what happens. Indeed, um, another player, which we another Welsh international who we've uh, no. had a lot of, lot of questions about, uh, is Aaron Ramsey. Uh, obviously, it seems as if he's on his way out from Juventus. Uh, is he a player that Cardiff as a club would be interested in having a conversation with? Look, I'll say what I said when the same question was asked about Gareth. You know, we're open, you know, with open arms. You know, he these are two exceptionally talented players. Um, and, you know, given, given our position, given our uh, status quo, we would welcome either of those players if we had the opportunity. But as of this moment, we have had no real dialogue with anybody else but Gareth. Okay. And um, Joe Roll's been announced as captain uh, in the last sort of 24 hours or so as chairman. Uh, what do you think of that as a choice? And, and do you think it's the right choice? Do you, you know? Uh, well, he, was, he was always going to be the chairman, right? Uh, um, the captain um, with, with uh, Morrison out um, is, 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 the, is the natural choice. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I think Joe will enjoy that role. Yes. Yeah, I think he'll thrive. Um, you mentioned um, Sean Morrison, obviously out with a, a serious injury at the moment. Um, what is his situation with the club? Is he likely to stay with the club once he's fit again? I noticed he wasn't on the squad numbers list. Yeah. I think at the moment we're just focused getting him back to fitness and get him to recover from this. And it's something that the you know, club will, will need to sit down and discuss with, with Morrison uh, with Sean, what what he wants to do, what we want to do, and 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 see a way through this. Um, don't forget, he's been a great captain, a great servant to the club, um, and I think we need to have that conversation with him. Is um is he doing his rehab and his recovery with the, with Cardiff? I hope so. Okay. And. Um... Yeah, there's a there's so many questions and so many things. I mean, obviously, a lot of the questions were about Gareth Bale, but um, sort of moving away from from that at the moment. Uh, as a as a chairman, uh, well, this was one of the Patreon questions actually. As a chairman, what does your day to day schedule involve uh, in terms of running the football club and and like what's the the average day for a chairman of a championship football club? Oh, good God. Um, but no one day is like the next, I think it's fair to say. I mean, look, being a chairman of, of any board is, is, is a unique position because you have actually no power as chairman. You know, I can't walk onto the field and tell anyone what to do. I can't walk into the stadium and tell any staff what to do. I have no executive powers. I hope people realize that. I am very, I'm very powerful when I sit on a board and I operate through the board. So, you know, this is not a chairmanship where you can tell people what to do. Uh, that's how boards work. And we are a unique board in the sense that we are one major shareholder. So, you know, in terms of transparency, governance, um, it's, it's a different format to a traditional board. 
So a typical day, um, well, my day always starts with a phone call from Ken Chu. Um, and, and that happens every single day, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, he, he will call, we'll, we'll go through all this stuff that he needs to draw my attention to. Most of it is finance, most of it players coming in, players going out. Um, and, and that sort of continues throughout the day. I'll talk to the manager maybe twice a week. I mean, obviously during the summer, we talk a lot more frequently. I got to know Steve and Mark Hudson a little better. We were able to have lunch last week together, so that, that that's all helpful. Um, I haven't had these same opportunities I had before to meet the new players, um, but I think, you know, let them settle in first and, and then we go from there. Uh, but I got to know the manager and the coaching team a little better during this period of uh, holidays. Um. There's been a few, uh, obviously, we've talked about the, the influx of personnel. There's uh, been quite a few players leaving um, if media reports are believed and things like this. The the wage bill has been brought down a great deal by some of those players leaving. Um, is the club getting closer to sort of uh, not, you know, operating at a loss and things like that and bringing the wage bill down? Uh, obviously, with the, a lot of these players coming in have been... Uh, free transfers and things like play, players out of contract and stuff like that. Are the finances starting to look a bit healthier? That's what is, yes, indeed. Um, maybe not quick enough, but it's, it's definitely doing so. But let's just put that into perspective, uh, Sai. I mean, people need to understand the pandemic has really taken a big bite out of the champions, uh, um, championship uh, football clubs. It's, it's been much more difficult. We don't have the revenues that the Premier League has to see us through that period. You know, our cost base has remained exactly the same throughout this period. There have been deferrals, yes, but deferrals is, is, is not a discount. You mm -hmm. still don't have to balance your books. So it's been a difficult period for us. So when our balance sheet and our look at our finances, um, we really need to do something about it. Um, so we systematically set out to create a lower cost base than what we had, I think, last season. And and it was a coincidence you had so many players coming out of contract all at the same time. So to answer your question, our cost base is substantially lower than it was. Um, I think the last time I was on this show, I, I actually said we were right, we were burning about three million pounds a a month um and i know few people question that that's whether that's true or not of course it's true you know it's it's anybody wants to you know come and look at the set of accounts um but you know running that sort of deficit is not sustainable so we got it down to a much healthier uh cost base um whether that will work or not you know we'll find out from saturday onwards but the cost base is substantially lower than it was before. Yeah, and I think it's it's important to also point out when you said uh, that it was three million pound loss uh, per month or whatever I forget what it was, but that was in the middle of the pandemic. That uh, when you came on the show then, or certainly if it wasn't you know the middle, it was we were still very much in the pandemic. I think if my memory serves me correctly, when you came on the show, the games were still being played behind closed doors at that point. Right. So, I mean, obviously, the the pandemic and COVID has hit 
football clubs had outside of the you know the Champions League and the Premier League and things like this. And I think honestly, even the bigger clubs, like you look at the state of Barcelona, um, there was a reason why they wanted a Super League because I think they were getting hit financially themselves. But obviously, the likes of Cardiff and other Championship clubs don't have the same income streams as you mentioned. Um, in terms of those players who were out of contract, was the decision to who you know who stays, who gets offered a contract, who was released, is that all done by the manager? Does he have the final say on that, or is it? A, we've talked about the transfer committee previously. It's, was that something that you would have discussed as a group? Like, would the wages have come into those decisions? Well, it's a combination of all those things. Um, you know, a manager is an integral part of, of the club. If, if not the most important, he's certainly a key individual. And you start with him in terms of team. But where we really work well with Steve, he understood the financial position we're in. And he understood the financial constraints that we've had. Um, and he worked with us to be able to cut that cost base down. Um, you know, have we forced any player on him? Um, no, I am. Um, you can ask that to Steve directly. Has he forced any player on us? I don't think so. We all agreed on the players that have come in. Um, we didn't necessarily want some of the players to go, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, but some of them didn't want to take pay cuts, um, which we respect. Um, so we were sorry to see one or two of them go. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm unhappy the way it all came to an end because, you know, we were all together for a while and then we were not. Um, I'm not sure we could have done it better. Um, I always think we could have done better, um, but it is what it is. And it was a, it was a club decision. And I like to think from the owner to the board, to the manager, uh, there was an agreement. I think... Um... With regards to people leaving the club, there was a, a few fans who were surprised to see uh, Andy Dibble, the goalkeeper coach, uh, released. Was that a decision which came from the manager or was that a club decision? Could you tell us a little bit more maybe about that decision? I don't really know a great deal about it. All, all, all I do know, you know, the coaching stuff came to the transfer committee and said, look, this is something that we, we want to do. Um, and they explain the reasons uh, for that. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to let the manager and the coaching staff pick best people for getting the players ready. Um, so that's that's really all I know. Okay. Um, we also saw uh, David Hughes leave the academy system. Uh, he's, got, he's got a job with uh, the Manchester United Academy system, I believe. Um, how far are we in regards to finding a replacement for him? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think the last thing I read was that, you know, the job was being advertised and, and things like that, but I haven't seen anything in regards to who may take over and things like that. I know that they're going through interviews as we speak. Um, I am not aware of any decisions being made as yet. And when they do make a decision, I'm sure it will come across my desk. But at the moment, I know as much as you do. Okay. Um, 
with regards to just sorry to circle back with regards to the like the players out of contracts and stuff. Say there was a player X who was on big wages, and the club would sort of say to the manager, "Look, we don't really want to renew his contract." But the manager said, "No, I need this player for next year." What would the what would happen in that scenario? Would the club kind of go against the manager, or I'm interested in this sort of dynamic, I guess. Well, first of all, we haven't had an instance no. where that has taken place, which is which is a good thing that we haven't had that instance. Cool. I think the I think the manager has has understood the constraints that we're working on there, and he's he's worked with us. Hypothetically. Um, devil's in the detail, to be honest. And this is a hypothetical question now. If a manager said, look, I got a player, I want to keep him without giving, without him taking a pay cut, and we genuinely couldn't afford it, and we would be establishing a different rule for one player and not the others, then we wouldn't support it. You know, we, you can't make this, this statement to people, this is our maximum that we're paying out, and the next minute, somebody's earning double that amount. That just wouldn't be sincere. Um, not at this restructuring level. So this is all hypothetical. Cool. In reality, you know, we've had none of this, uh, this uh, presented to us. Um, I am kind of interested, obviously, as the club is trying to 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 bring wages down and, and manage the financial constraints coming out of the pandemic and things like this, but in the set, the same time, we negotiated to a certain extent with Gareth Bale, who I'm sure I'm assuming, you know, wasn't going to pay play for free. Um, is that because when you, if you get the opportunity to sign a player of that quality at the level of football that Cardiff are currently playing at, you just cannot pass it up and you find a way. When we talked about Gareth Bale, I said to you, I'm not going to tell you everything because some of it is very. Uh, personal, of course, yeah. This is, this is one of them. Okay. What I will say to you, my entire life, or certainly my entire career, I've been structuring deals, mm -hmm. and what we structured together with Gareth's team and ourselves in terms of a deal, I thought was was very, very well created. Um, and I really do not want to go into details because that would not be fair. Mm -hmm. um, but Gareth's salary would have been at the same level as the top paid person within the team, it would not have been any different. I think that's, um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's interesting. I find that interesting. I want to ask you more questions about it, but I mean, like you say, it's, there's certain things which... And by the way, he didn't want more. He said, I don't want to be paid more than what the top player gets. So wow. it was all okay. unanimous. So there was no silly money stuff here. Interesting, really interesting. Um, okay, let's go back to some of these uh, questions from the, the, the members. Uh, Owen says, uh, the atmosphere at the Cardiff City Stadium during the Wales International uh, Internationals has been electric. Uh, does the board or the owner have any plans to encourage fans back to the Cardiff City Stadium more regularly for Cardiff games? We have histor historically been very strong at home, but recently this has not been the case. A near capacity crowd for home games would certainly benefit the team. I'm sorry, what is the question here? Um, so basically, I think uh, as the 
club looking at a way or ways to improve the atmosphere to get full houses more often than not at home games things like that to basically encourage fans back i suppose all the time absolutely um a few people have asked about uh season ticket sales where are they in terms of you know how many sold and and compared to previous years i have no idea <laughs> um i i really don't i mean it's it's detailed that i i don't know yeah um and i mean at the end of the day if you don't know you don't know unless you can't answer but you don't know i genuinely don't know um do you, did you follow the wales games closely uh, as they sort of qualify mm. for the world cup and things like that of course um, mainly because we got our players in there indeed and then obviously the the atmosphere at those games at the Cardiff City Stadium shows that because I look I've been completely honest uh, I've been relatively crit- critical of the atmosphere at the Cardiff City Stadium sometimes because I and a lot of that comes from I compare it to what Ninian Park's at- atmosphere was as I was a you know a teenager and a young man uh, and I sort of grew up with that so it's it's a different ground it's a, it's a more modern ground. Um, and then I look at the Wales games and I see that atmosphere being so electric. And I just wish that we could get that with Cardiff. Um, and I, again, I agree with Owen. I think it would benefit the team. And it's just uh, trying to attract full houses all the time for the home games, I guess. Yeah. Look, I can't disagree with that. You know, having a great crowd and we're all great fans, right? But we also got to improve on the pitch. We, we need to be more entertaining. We need to be winning a lot more. You know, if you go back to the two run-ups to the Premier League uh, seasons, we had some great uh, occasions to celebrate and enjoy the games um, because we play better. We were fighting for something. I mean, obviously, last year, it was all about, you know, stopping the potential drop because we were getting dangerously close to that bottom. So I also appreciate some of the onus lies on us to be able to entertain more on the pitch. And and I hope this style of football that Steve Morrison is introducing is going to do that. And yes, and I think the management needs to be a lot more proactive in making sure that we give people reason to come to the stadium and, and enjoy that experience. So we, we, we do have some work to do there. Uh, what about relationship with the fans as a, as a football club? Uh, a few, like quite a few people asked about um, sort of doing things like question answers, obviously things like this this evening, but improving that communication between the football club and the fans is obviously important. Is that something which the club is looking to improve? I hope so, because I think we do need to improve that. Um, I mean, as you can see, I'm always happy to do Q&A. Um, Every time the club has asked me to do any meeting with the fans, I'm very happy to do so. Um, you know, maybe I'm a little bit too frank sometimes and too blunt. Um, and people don't particularly like hearing some of the truth. Um, but I don't think I've ever been shy to communicate with the, with the fan base um, at any given time. Um, because this is their club, they they should ask the questions they want, and they we should answer them as honestly as we can. Um, I think when you look back, some of the managers were very good in engaging fans. Um, Neil Warner comes to mind. You know, he always had time for the fans. Um, 
I think some managers were less open to that. Mm. And we were definitely trying to encourage more contact with the fans, um, both at the coaching level, at the management level, as well as at the board level. Um, so, yeah, so we got work to do there. Um, in your previous two uh, appearances on the channel, we, we discussed the Emiliano Sala situation, the fallout of the, obviously, his tragic death. And things like that, and you, you know, you were you were very open um, again, and like you said, maybe uh, quite blunt in some in some of the things you said, but you were also very honest about it, or as honest as you could be with court cases and things and whatever. Outstanding. Um, but just before we do move on to talking about Emiliano, um, where does the club stand now with any outstanding court cases? Like I understand if you can't talk about specifics, but into I think you had mentioned previously that there was a few uh, outstanding. Well, first of all, I'm very pleased to say that as of now, there are no more court cases. Okay, that's good news. Yeah, that's very there, good. there are verdicts to come, but there are no more court cases. Um, and we talked about three cases before, which was uh, Sam Haman, Michael Isaacs, and Emilio Sala. Um, as far as the courts are concerned, it's it's done and dusted. Um, Sam and Cardiff have come to a mutual understanding, so that is no longer an issue. Um, and we're waiting for the verdict on the other two. There are no more court cases, so I can breathe. Indeed. I'm sure that was quite a, a stressful situation. Um, in regards to the Emiliano Sala, the you know the transfer fee, and and everything which kind of goes along with that side of things, where does that stand at the moment? Well, as as you know, we had the cash hearing, um, which which was a two day affair, and we are waiting for cast to deliver their verdict. I don't expect to hear from them now. September, October. Uh, maybe November even. So autumn is where we're looking to hear from them. Um, and then once we know what their verdict is, then there are things to be done. So that's where we are. Okay. Um, so back to a few questions. Uh, someone asked, was there a leak at the football club? And if so, has it been plugged? Uh, sorry, leak with regards to uh, a leak. I'm assuming with regards to media. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there was no sort of clarification of that question, really. There is a leak, and there will always be a leak. I think we work on the assumption that um, there will always be a leak. Has it been plugged? No, um, but not that I'm aware of. Um, okay. So I, I think we just have to accept these things happen. Um, and we, we, we just have to legislate against it as best as we can. Yeah, I I suppose it's kind of... Um, uh, so someone just clarified in the comments, they said, I assume the leak was re-team sheets, specifically uh, against Reading. Um, so I don't know. If, I'm not entirely sure what that was regarding myself, so it's difficult for me to say, but it seems as if team sheets were maybe leaked uh, ahead of games, perhaps. Um I don't remember the, the Reading game, I, I have to be honest. I mean, I remember when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was there, the team sheet was leaked to Crystal Palace. I remember that. Okay. Uh, 
and we took action to deal with it. There we did find the leak and we did plug the leak. Um, but I'm not aware of any Tim Sheep leaks since that occasion. Okay. And um, season ticket, we did that one. <laughs> um, another question was, uh, have we signed a striker, but we're unable to announce it at the moment uh, due no. to contractual things? Um, so no. Not sure. Yeah, not. My thing with that is, go on, sorry. We have not signed anyone. Okay. My thing with that is, is surely if you would sign the striker and you were unable to announce it, you also wouldn't be able to tell us that now either. But there we go. Um, You're asking the questions. I know, I know. I should have uh, should have checked that one out, really. Um, <clears throat> and let's have a look. What, uh, Sean Morrison hasn't done any mainstream uh, interviews in pre-season. Is that uh is there a specific reason about that, or is it just he's concentrating on the season and sort of yeah. a way to go? I don't think anybody's done any interviews over there pre-season. Um, but there's there's no there's no strategy here who does what in, in terms of media. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think you shouldn't read too much into all this. Um not that I know anyway, so no. Okay. Um, with regards to COVID, you mentioned like how big a, an effect has that had on football, or should I say, uh, as someone involved in football, uh, how do you view the impact that COVID has had overall on on the game, on individual football clubs? Like, how big is the impact? Well, as, as I said previously, um, I think the impact has been quite. Um, Quite dramatic, um, and it's not just to Cardiff. Uh, a lot of clubs are in the same position as we are. You you had two seasons where you had no revenues coming in, and your cost base has remained the same. You do not have to be a financier to work out that that's not sustainable. What I think is unfortunate is I'm not so convinced that the industry as a whole has understood what they need to do to go forward. You know, the Premier League, as you know, has helped us help our league out by giving uh, a loan, which which still needs to be repaid. So, you know, the big pie, one point five billion, goes to the Premier League, and we get little scraps. Yet we play an important role in making the Premier League the best league in the world. Um, you know, I just wish that. The regulators and the powers to be can actually look at the whole game as a whole um but unfortunately we're not there and what is very clear as soon as you're getting back to some sort of normality which is now people will forget all this mm. um with regards to the club's debt um i know you talked about it on like previous shows like what sort of debt level is the club looking at at the moment <sighs> I think debt and liabilities together, you're you're probably around 130 million. You know, um, I, I you know don't don't uh, take that for gospel truth, but that's pretty close to it. 
Okay. Then you subtract from that 75 million is owed to Winston Town. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's in the process of converting his debt into equity. Um, so, you know, he said long time ago that he would do that. So once you take Winston out, then obviously you're left with a much lower number. Um, and from that number, you you were including 20 million for Emilio Sala. Um, if the judgment uh, goes against us. Um, and then there are bits and pieces um, thereafter. So if you take Vincent out, actually the club's debt position is, is not so bad at all. It's a lot more, a lot more manageable uh, in terms of a figure. Um, what's the club's vision in terms of, say, the next, I don't know, five years? Um, I'm assuming the aim is to get back to the the Premier League? I, I, it's a difficult one to answer because I have my own views and there is the views of the of the board and there is the view of the owner. And I'm not sure we're all on the same page on this. Um, and I mean that in a, in a nice way, not in a, in a confrontational way. Mm. Um, I think personally, not only our objective is to get to the Premier League, but the way we want to manage our cost base, manage our revenues and manage our football is different. Okay. Um, and you've seen a little taste of Steve Morrison's football and he's going to be developing that football more and more. Um, and, and it's good to see the young kids coming through. Um, and it's nice to see the smile on their faces when they do play. Um, so from that perspective, we're very ambitious in terms of bringing up the new breed of players that we want to bring in as we get ourselves in a position to compete for potential uh, promotion. But we're realistic, you know, we are realistic. It, will, it takes time, these things. Yeah, I think it takes time. And obviously, um, in terms of transfer fees, we are not spending, you know, perhaps what we were years and years, years ago. When we were trying to get promotion, we were spending a lot more money. Um, I think with them um, previously with Kiefer Moore, there was some money put aside for that transfer fee, I believe. Is there any money put aside or is there money available now for transfer fees to be played, uh, paid? Or is it we're more looking at you know free transfers, loans, things like that? It's it's free transfers and loans, but we have always said if the manager and the recruitment team come up with a compelling argument, you know, we will do our best to find the money to do so. But it would have to be an exception rather than a rule. I mean, for example, we're talking to a striker at the moment as a, as a potential purchase, um, and we will have to write a check out for that striker. And, and we think it's worth doing. You know, we, we are having that discussion. Mm. Um. Going back to like the ambitions, I said or like over the sort of you know the next five years or, or whatever it may be. What are the ambitions for this season? Like for you personally, maybe, or for the club as a whole? Like where would you, what would you consider a good season this year? Well, listen, I'd be killed if I didn't say I want to be in the top six, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I want to be in the top six. Um, yeah. But you know, as as chairman, I, I can't sit here and say anything different because they will say, well, why does he not have the ambition to be in the top six? 
Do I see ourselves winning the league? No, I don't. Um, do I see ourselves having a push for top six? I think we'll try. But for me, really, the most important thing is to create a proper team. You know, you bought in 13, well, we'll have 40, maybe 15 players by the time the window shuts. If we can put those players into a coherent team and they are improving every game, and we end up below the top six, I think that's that's worth doing. Um, because come this next summer, you know, it will need maybe a little bit more reinforcements, but it puts in a good position to have a go. Um, but I know Vincent and, uh, and the board, uh, they're of the opinion that, you know, we should try to compete for the top six this, this season. And, and why not? Yeah, I think, look, um, you look at like Ryan Reynolds back um, with Wrexham now. His ambition is to get to the Premier League with the football club and and there's nothing uh, wrong with having, you know, the ambition to to be an established Premier League club or, or whatever it may be. I think you always have to be realistic with what you've got. And I think one thing which we seem to be doing at the moment is building for the future, not just in terms of the... The, the academy players who are in the first team, the young footballers that we've signed, but also the style of football changing. Um, that was obviously a big criticism with the previous manager. Um, with the Mick McCarthy, was there a certain game or a certain point where you and the board knew that you know this was going to only end one way? Well, first of all, let, let me make a comment, you know, Reynolds is an actor, so of course he's going to act the role that wants to get promoted all the way to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, good luck. Um, Mick still remains a, a mystery to me, really, because he came on board and did brilliantly in the first four or five months. Um, if you remember, he couldn't lose a game. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he got a contract, it, it sort of went south. Um, and, you know, when he lost that, that game, that particular match that we, we let him go was, was, was the last straw. Um, you know, it, it's, it's always unfortunate and not desirable to change managers, especially mid-season. But we didn't see any other alternative um, after, after that particular loss. Um, and, you know, Steve Morrison stepped up to the plate and, you know, his brief was to make sure we are not in the drop danger zone. And he did that, in fairness. Um, he did that well. And his brief now is to create a new team um, and get them ready to challenge. And I think he's, he's really, he works, he works really hard. Um, you could never criticise him for not working hard. Even when he was on holiday and he went to some you know, distant place. He was on the phone every day. I wish he wasn't, but but he was. Yeah, um, how can I word this? So when Mick McCarthy was appointed, uh, the fan in me was a bit frustrated because obviously you know the type of football that Mick plays. You, he's played the same type of football, and I, I was frustrated by that. But then, look, you cannot deny that that first whatever it was eight games, nine games, whatever, he couldn't stop winning, like you said. And 
I was starting to come around to the idea. But what? Where did the decision to to give him that contract? Because I know initially he was brought in, I think, till the end of the season, wasn't he? And then right. before the end of the season came, you gave him that contract. Why was there a change in decision? Was it purely because he had won so many of those games, or because, like, with hindsight, which I know is is easy, it seems like the better thing to do would have been, to, you know, assess at the end of the season where we were. But yeah, I'm interested in why the change of why the change of strategy with the contract with Mick McCarthy, but also when the similar thing happened with Steve Morrison, was there any apprehensive or appara- was there any second thoughts maybe about not giving Steve the contract until the end of the season because, Oof, because of the previous a... manager? I mean, first of all, let's, let's just let's just take these in two parts. Let's talk yeah. about Mick McCarthy. You know, difficult to not give somebody a contract when they've had such a fantastic run. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we, as you know, his initial contract was till end of the season, and he came on board, and suddenly, you know, we were winning games uh, all the time, and there were other clubs trying to take Mick from us at, 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 at that time, and the board felt that we should extend his contract into into next season, um, which we did, um, and that was really the only reason that that was done. Um, there will be continuity. There, there, there's another year left in the contracts of majority of the players that he has been able to win with. And then obviously when we came into the next following season, results didn't go the way that we anticipated. And therefore we had to act to take that decision. And, and you know, I mean, I never met Steve Morrison until the day we appointed him. Um, so uh, the, the view at the time was let's you know he's a good man he's done a great job in the academy let's not spoil the whole thing by giving him a full contract let's give him to the end of the season let's see if he deserves it uh and he he grows into it and if he doesn't you know he's got his academy job he can always pop back in there while we look for a replacement and he grew into the job i think he he made it his own um you know, a lot of youngsters coming through he's, he's worked with before, so he knows them well. Um, and he's a very good professional. Um, so that's why we done what that's why we did what we did. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, what was Mick McCarthy like to work with? Um, when I understood his English, he was all right. <laughs> no, um, he had a very, he had, Mick had a very dry sense of humor, okay. um, uh, which which I liked. Um, but you know, he, he's a seasoned professional, um, and I've had a lot of difficult discussions with him as as we went through trials and tribulations. Um, always made himself available, always uh, answered truthfully and honestly. Um, so. He was, he was he was fine. Okay. Uh, was he surprised when you were letting him go, when you told him that the club was letting him go? I mean, I'm kind of interested in that. Like whether, um, he, knew, whether he knew it was coming or whether, you know, he was so involved with what his day-to-day job was that he didn't quite realise. Because there, no, there was pressure from the fans as well, building, uh, to say the least. 
Yeah, I don't think he was surprised. Okay. Um, I did not, but I don't think he was surprised. No. And I think, look, I think Steve Morrison's doing an excellent job. Um, I was also particularly impressed with the the people who he brought in around him. Um, so, you know, the likes of Mark Hudson and even, you know, Darren Pearce within, in the academy, uh, in the under-23s. I think they all know the football club and have also got a, a good reputation as coaches. Is that uh, with when Steve got the job on a permanent basis, does he get to just come to you with a list of, I want these guys to be my coaches? Or is it a kind of ongoing discussion of give and take in terms of who stays, who goes, who you can bring in? There's always, there's always a discussion. I mean, we've got members of the coaching team that's been at Carly for years. You know, you talked about the goalkeeper coach earlier on. Um, who, you know, has a real history with Cardiff. And I had a very good relationship with him when, when I did meet him. Um, but at the end of the day, he's got to have his key coaches around him that he believes in and trusts. On the other side, we want Cardiff coaches who have been there for many years to grow into their jobs and into their profession. So what we don't want is a culture where one manager comes and everybody's out and then he leaves and they all go out and then you keep a changing this thing. So there's, there has to be a healthy balance. So there, there's always a discussion. Yeah, I think uh, continuity is important as well. And I think building right. something for the future, um, like short-term results are not always, you know, the be-all and end-all. Sometimes you can got to take a step backwards to take two steps forward. Um, and I think under Mick McCarthy, we felt as fans, as if we were hurtling towards relegation by the end. Um, and someone just mentioned in the chat, oh, it was Reese. Uh, he said, why was the board so quiet when things did go pear-shaped? Um, there was a point where we were playing five centre-backs, three holding midfielders, getting, you know, beaten 4-0, but there was no, uh, there was a lot of basic silence from the football club. And uh, yeah, Reese is just asking why the club remained so silent in that difficult period. I think we it wasn't so much we remained silent. We're, we're desperately looking for solutions. We we recognise we have a problem. We don't want to make the same mistakes. We didn't want to go and get a another expensive manager in because we didn't have the budgets that we've been used to having, given what was going on in the pandemic and cash injections into the club. It wasn't so much we were quiet. We, we knew we had a problem, but finding solution was not an easy as an obvious one. Um, because every manager that you interview or you approach, first thing they will say to you is, what's my budget? Uh, and, and, and I understand that. Um, and we found ourselves in a position with the pandemic that we actually could not say to a manager that we wanted to come on board, Here's your budget. You know, we had to work with what we had as, 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 as a club. And that made it more difficult um, in, in, in choosing. Um, you know, were the managers available? Yes, I, I can give you dozens of people who are calling us. So. But these were people demanding huge salaries and a huge budget. We're just not in that position to do that anymore. Maybe one day we will, but not at this very moment. Indeed. I mean, is that... Do you think uh, there's ever a, a point in the near future 
where Cardiff is in a position to be able to start paying out transfer fees on players. Not, you know, not necessarily in terms of, you know, like 10 million here and there. I just mean, you know, maybe like a million pound or things like smaller fees, but being able to sign those sorts of players. I hope so. And, and as soon as we get back to some sort of normality, where we can see revenues coming in against the cost base that we have, that will give us a bit more comfort in creating budgets. I mean, look, we, we talk about the cost base, but one thing we did not talk about is, is the revenue side of this club. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, um, we're not achieving the sort of revenues we should be achieving in, in a club of this magnitude. So what you'll see that there'll be a lot more focus on, um, on the revenue side going forward. Um, and I think we need to invest in those areas to be able to create a revenue base, which is sustainable to meet the cost base that we have. Um, so yeah, I think, I hope by next season, we're in a much better financial position to be able to go into the market and be able to strengthen the current squad that we have today. Okay. How, how important is uh, having a full house at home for the home games to the revenue stream side of things? Well, it's, it's, it's the 12th player. I mean, it's very, very important. And I don't mean just the atmosphere that they create uh, and the tickets that you sell, but it's, it's everything else. Um, you know, Every, every club's dream is to have a full house, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and if there is a club that doesn't dream that, then they're definitely doing the wrong business. Um, so we will try to achieve that as much as we can. Okay. Um, Rob Boyle sent in a super chat, uh, so he takes priority. Uh, he says, uh, rumour has it, nobody from Cardiff City turned up for Phil Dwyer's funeral. Is, uh, is this true or do you not know? I really don't know. I think uh, I have no idea. Okay. Um, and then there was another thing I just wanted to put to you. Uh, where's it gone? From Harry. Um, because it was a fairly negative comment, but he put it in a polite way, um, which people don't always do. So I wanted to put it to you. Um, Harry says, he said, who is the person responsible for driving the football club forward? He said, if it is yourself... Why are there so many questions that you don't know the answer to? I thought I, I was there so many questions that I don't know um, the answers. There was a couple, and I mean, like to me, I if you don't know the answer to how many season tickets or how many season tickets we've currently sold, I think it's better to say I don't know than guess. But there's a few people saying that you would kind of. Said I don't know to a couple of questions, but I mean, I mean, look, I mean, first of all, I'm not sure if I'm the driving force behind the club. I don't think I've ever claimed that privilege. I think the owner is very much a hands-on. Um, you know, he he drives this club the way he wants to drive it. In terms of daily operations, about ticket sales and so on, that's the chief executive's job. It's certainly not mine. Um, if it's not going well, then it becomes my problem as a board. But I don't get involved in the daily sale of tickets. So, you know, I'm not going to apologize for not knowing that because mm -hmm. it really isn't my scope. Now, I could I could have given you a diplomatic answer and say, look, I think, you know, we're three quarters sold. Um, 
But I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. It would take me one text message to find the answer um, if I felt it was important. Mm. Fair enough. Um, uh, previously, so just I can't see who I can't see who asked this, but previously you spoke of the the we talked about the large debt owed by the club. Um, how long do you believe it will take for the club to become financially stable so that sums can be ex expended in transfer fees and and other expenses and things like that? Like, how long do you think before that debt is dealt with and under control? I don't know really, um, because they're moving targets. It, I mean, if you dissect the financials, the big part is the owner. So let's just take that to zero, okay? Because that's what Vincent has said he would do with debt into equity. So let's assume that's zero. That then leaves you with the Salah case and probably another 25 million of various debts to directors, to suppliers, and, and so on. So once we get rid of the seller case, then you're down to a very small number, a manageable number. Now, the other side of it is your burn rate, because as we said, last season we were burning 3 million a month. So therefore, you don't have to be a genius to work it out. You're burning 35 million, 36 million a year. That is now going to be substantially lower. So over the next two years, unless you go back into the transfer market and spend serious money, your debt and liabilities should not come back. Okay. And that's why this year is so important for us to keep the budget where it is, yet be competitive. And, and that's where I think, you know, Steve Morris has done a good job in creating a competitive squad of players. Um, you see, these questions I can answer, but, you know, yeah. I, not so good. Um, and with that, like, what can the what can the fans do to help move the club towards being sort of debt not debt free, but you know, more in control and, and able to spend money on transfers and things like that? Like, how can the fans help with that situation? I mean, support the team. Really, I mean, the best way is support the team. Team does well. We make more money, and everything gets to be better. Uh, we can't ask fans to do much more than that. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's their club, and only thing we can do is try to give them a team that they believe in and they can support, and 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 come and do that for us. Um, so that's what I would appeal to the fans: is you know, give give the team a chance to gel together and and let them play the football that the, we think they can play. Um, that's all I can ask of them. Okay. Um, a lot of uh, people sent in questions asking, uh, basically, is the football club up for sale? And has there been any offers in the sort of last six months to year? Um, any discussions regarding the sale of the football club? Well, not my words. Vincent's Tan's words. Everything's for sale apart from family. I think it's something that he said of, the, of that ilk. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if somebody came and made us the... A fair offer I think the owner uh, would, would would listen but as of today I can tell you because that would definitely be my jurisdiction um, we're not actively marketing the club uh, we're not actively trying to sell the club uh, we are actively not talking to anybody who has interest in buying the club 
Okay. I can't be more clear than that. Yeah. No, I don't think you can. Uh, let's have a look. A couple of more questions just before we wrap up. Uh, Away Day Diaries says, uh, Borley inter- intimated that the board had interfered with the playing side by signing players that were not asked for, requested or directly wanted by a manager. Uh, could you please comment on this? Yeah. I was a little bit surprised when I read that. I have to be honest. Um, I haven't had a chance to discuss it with Steve, um, but I wasn't surprised to hear that. Only thing I can think of is before we put the transfer committee together, there were hirings that went on between Mackay and the management. That doesn't include me, uh, where players were brought in to to the club without the managers manager without without the manager saying so i think that's what he's referring to and if you remember sai if you go back the reason i created a transfer committee was twofold and this was while mckay multi mckay was still in the club was the fact that i wanted a platform where the manager and the owner had a veto right on each other so to speak so by creating uh, this committee where Vincent had his own guy sitting on that committee and the manager sitting on that committee, then there could be nothing done where both sides didn't agree. So that was the purpose of the transfer committee. The fact that it sort of evolved into something else, and we can talk about the strength and weaknesses of that organization um, all day long. That was the reason. And since I created that, I cannot think of a single player that the transfer committee brought on that the manager said, no, I don't want. And if you can think of one, or any of the fans can think of one, please tell me, because I really don't know. Okay. Um, I, can name, I can name you the players that were before that were brought in, which I know Malky didn't want. Right. But since the transfer committee has been in place, that hasn't been the case. I genuinely cannot think of a single player that we brought in against manager's um, choice. Okay, but it did happen previously. Um, I do. I know it did. I know it did because I know the player in question that I had to deal with. But okay. that's you know you're going back ten years. Yeah, that's a that's fair, fair, uh, fair while ago, isn't it? Um, but I tell you what, though, I love. I, I know that I love to be corrected. I don't mind being corrected because I really want to know the answer to this question myself. It's something I will ask Steve uh, mm. when I talk to him. Um, what what's the what examples does he have? And I'm sure I'm right. Um, a couple of people just said, would we be able to get uh, Kenneth Cho on the show to do a similar question and answer? Oh, I don't see why not. Ken is very amicable. Um, I leave you to I leave you to invite him. I'm sure he'll say yes. Yeah, I mean, if you can help me get hold of him, I'd be more than happy to uh, to to invite him on. I think um, it's always interesting. Um, so as you were talking about the the situation with the players and and being signed against the manager's wishes, a few people commented that uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and, and some other ex-players had said uh, in other places that uh, the owner would interfere with tactics and who played and and whatnot. Is there any truth to that? 
that seems extreme to me, but I mean, I guess you never know. What's the weather like in Wales? It's very hot where I am. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, do, you th- do you know if uh, the owner is planning to attend more games this season? Um, I think he would like to, uh, but he genuinely has his hands full in what's going on back home. I mean, as you know, he's in the hospitality business and the retail business, and pandemic has hit him quite hard. And uh, it's the good news is that we're coming out of that pandemic, um, so he's doing his, his businesses are beginning to flourish again, which is great to see, because we need this as a club. And yes, I think he, he I think you'll see more of him this year. But I'm not the keeper of his diary, so um, I don't know. Indeed. Um, the the club has got no full-time executive directors uh, which are based locally. Is that intended to change in the near future? Um, do we need one? I mean, Steve Borley, play, Steve Borley plays that role very well for us. And Steve's been there for 20 years. He knows that club better than anyone else. Um, and I think he does a great job on, on, on that board. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually very influential. So, you know, I don't know any other plans to add another person that's local. Um, but... You know, we, we, we would have no problems in, in doing that um, if we felt there was the right candidate for the right role. I mean, Philip Jenkins, who is our CFO, I mean, de facto, he runs the CEO role when Ken is not there. And Ken is there half of the week, and, and Philip, you know, deputizes him very well. Indeed. Uh, so, so away day at diaries is followed up with the because he was the one who asked the question about uh, the players being signed. Uh, he followed up by saying Neil Harris suggested that Perry Ng was such a player. Um, I got to say, Perry Ng has been very, very good for Cardiff, man. But, but Neil Harris intimated uh, that Perry Ng was signed by the board rather than him. News to me uh, because I. Uh, I would never approve it if Neil Harris didn't want him. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think NG has been a very good signing for us. He has, yeah. I think um, the the general, I guess, worry would be is if the board or the signing players that the manager didn't want, which is what Neil Harris seemed to intimate at that point. But I mean. Well, you know what? You're saying that that's not the case as well. So, you know. Look, I, I mean, I remember how, you know, I remember going after NG, um, and Ken Chu played a key role in bringing NG to, to the club. And I remember asking him, look, are we clear that everybody agrees that we should get this boy? And he said, yes. Um, so, when you get Ken Chu on this show, you can ask him this question directly. Indeed, I will, 100%. Um, okay. Um, look, uh, Mehmet, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, I've tried to get through as, uh, as many questions as we as we could in, in the time that we had. Um, I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate, look, not everyone will like the answers that you give and, and whatnot, and, you know, 
people can be critical and stuff like that. I think one thing which can't be criticised is the fact that you're willing to sit here and have me fire questions at you live. Not many people from the world of football enjoy or would be up for doing that because it's one thing doing it as a recorded interview and stuff and things can be edited and whatever. To do it live, I think um, you deserve credit for that tremendously and I, I appreciate your time greatly. Uh, I appreciate all the questions that we got sent in. If I didn't get to your question, I apologise. I'm sure that uh, Mehmet will be back on again at some point and we can put your questions to him then. Um, but ultimately, Mehmet, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us again. Um, no, thank you. Well, listen, thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for all the questions that um, the, the audience has asked. Um, very happy to pick any question up and always a pleasure. So thank you. Um, and also, we'll, I tell you, we'll finish with this one question. Um, Mehmet Dalman, will Cardiff City sign a striker before the transfer window closes? I hope so. We will do our best. I, I, I genuinely mean that. Um, I'd be on the phone to Steve Morrison tomorrow morning to see where we are. Good stuff. Um, okay, uh, guys, as uh, as always, you can find us in the usual places. Appreciate you all tuning in. Um, check out the, the Patreon, the YouTube. Everything is going to be coming back from next week. Roger Giggs and football starts up again next Thursday. And um, also, we have... Uh, Mark Hudson episode of My Story, as well as uh, several other things coming up. So uh, lots to lots to come, lots to come in. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. I know uh, maybe you guys would have liked me to to press him a bit harder and stuff like that, but ultimately he's giving up his time. I'm asking the questions, he's answering. It, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, but I apologise if you guys didn't think I was. Um, aggressive enough or whatever it is but ultimately like i just want to have a conversation with different guests and things like that um i think he Mehmet deserves credit for for coming on and doing it live because i gave him the opportunity the first time he came on to do it uh as a recorded interview and then if there was anything he didn't like he could take out and blah 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 but he insisted on doing it live and allowing you guys to ask him questions all that good stuff um Got some really good stuff coming up. Mark Hudson episode's a good one. Um, that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Got Darren Purse, um, part two, as well as uh, several other uh, episodes and all that good stuff. Loads of good guests. Check it out. Check out the channel and uh, appreciate your time. We'll see you next Thursday for the return of the, the football season. And uh, Rodri Giggs on football will be back as me and Rodri look at the first week of the championship. But uh, until then, I bid you farewell. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.